0: All right. So we are just going to have a chat.
1: Yeah, let's have a chat.
0: Okay.
1: I feel That's like great. we need some, you know, jazz, <laughs> jazz hands. This is bubble, this is bubble Dutch. Dutch live. Yeah. No, no, it's not it's not. Um, but I guess yeah, just uh, do you want to introduce yourself. Just go for it. What do you, what do you do? For people that don't know you that've never heard of anything you do.
0: Um, I'm a um I'm a granddad. Uh I've got um uh, a 2-year-old grandson. His name's Teddy and um uh, he is, um, yeah, he's just the cutest. And uh, so I'm, um, I'm a dad. I, I got four kids. Uh, four kids. You know, they're grown up uh, now. Um, Twenty, twenty-seven, twenty-five, nineteen, seventeen. I was saying to someone, uh, my twenty-five-year-old daughter. You know, she's married. She's, she's given me the grandchild. And I still tell her often that um, when I close my eyes, she's four. You know. And I love being a dad um, and a granddad, and so that's just a real treasure uh, of my life. Um, And then um, I do a couple of things. Uh, I'm a a business executive, business coach. I consult to CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, have the the beautiful opportunity from time to time to speak to politicians and sports stars and just bring... um, you know, success kind of coaching, spiritual coaching to them, uh, and so I do I do that uh, um, globally. And then um, I'm also uh, the a uh, senior leader uh, or co senior leader of a of a church called Hope Unlimited Church in Sydney, Australia, uh, with uh, with my senior leaders there, Mark and Darlene check of my senior leaders there. And in the church, I um, I have the responsibility for the predominantly for the business families. so we have about um, 200 businesses, uh, business people business families that uh, you know make up our church and uh, I get the, the honor to steward and pastor and encourage and undergird them and um, and then I run in the church we run a, uh, an entrepreneur academy where we coach and train entrepreneurs. I've actually got right now in, in, the, in that academy I've got a, um, I've got a young 18 year old who started, uh, she started a business in COVID. She started a pajama import business. And so her and a girlfriend, little girlfriend um, started importing these silk, you know, cute sort of silk pajamas from, from China and uh, took off. Uh, like it just took off. It was, um, she built it through TikTok and um, and just killing it. Like, yeah, her name's Bridie Drake and she's just phenomenal I, I knew she was always going to be an entrepreneur i think when she was 12 she used to import these velcro wallets and sell them at high school you know she was just like you know um it's in her and uh yeah so she's part of that and then i uh, also in that center of excellence we we not only coach business people but we coach what we call workplace executives or just people in the workplace you know that are school teachers managers and we coach them into success and how to how to be you know uh, a great Witness for Jesus in the workplace and not get fired, you know. <laughs> like we just just coach them in that space. So that's that's kind of what a you know
1: that's kind of life at the moment. Sweet. um Well, I just want to get just of the room. How many people have heard from David? Bless you before, so they know a bit of. Oh, cool. Okay. God. um I think it would be cool to your first business. Oh yeah. Let's just start there. Oh, that's
0: it's, fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, um we we grew up in kind of poor end of town uh I was sort of government housing and um I I needed some pocket money and dad wasn't dad wasn't good to hit up he didn't have a lot of cash and so I was about 10 and uh I I thought I need some cash what are we going to do right I was sick of not being able to go and you know buy stuff so um I, um, I convinced, I talked to my buddies, they were an eight and a nine year old and uh, I convinced them on a business idea and I said to them, we're, we're going to start a car wash business. But we had no money because we're, we're all, you know, government housing kids, so we're broke. Uh, but I just thought, oh, we've got to find a way. So I, I went and I swiped my mother's laundry bucket. And her dishwashing sponges, because we couldn't afford to buy like proper sponges, because didn't have any cash, right? So this, by the way, how you start a business on a shoestring, and um, and we couldn't afford car wash either, because that was pretty expensive for a ten-year-old, you know, uh, with no startup capital. So I, I I thought problem solve, and I thought, you know, when you're washing the car, I, you know, it looks like bubbles. So I thought, what else does that in the house? And I thought, oh, my mum's dishwashing liquid does that. So I pinched her dishwashing liquid, her Dishwashing sponges, bucket, and I convinced my little buddies to meet us. Like it was pretty early, 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. That was a miracle, right? Imagine, imagine you, your eight-year-olds up, getting dressed, going, "Where are you going?" You know. Uh, so they met at my house, and then we had this plan, and we were going to go and knock on doors on uh, not people that lived in the housing commission because they were as poor as we were. They didn't have any money. Uh, we went to the rich people's places. They were just across the road. That was all, you know. And um, and we had this whole thing, My, my little, but the the youngest kid he was the cutest guy so he just kind of like he just held the bucket that was his job and uh, the other guy just stood next to me and I was the salesman and we said we'd knock on the door and you know you think about this like it's eight in the morning you get a to knock on the door you walk to the door and there's these three there's a 10 nine and eight year old and the eight year old's holding a bucket you know and I'd be like excuse me sir we just noticed your car's super dirty we'd love we'll to wash your car and I'll show you how old I am for a dollar our dollar back then. I mean, it was serious coin, right? Serious money, and um, we said, "We and I'd say we've got all we've got everything we need. We just need to use your hose." I mean, that was a deal of the century, right? The bloke probably going, "Oh man, I've just won an hour back of my Saturday." While he's drinking his coffee, he's going, "Yeah, okay, do a good job, you know." And we used to wash anywhere from about because in Australia at that time. Um, you only worked half day Saturdays, right, till midday. So that was, our, that was our knockoff time. We didn't want to get too excited anyway. But we would wash six to eight cars. Now, uh, you go, oh, Dave, that's only six to eight bucks. But if, if we talk about what that would be worth, that'd be like a 10-year-old walking around with 50 bucks in his pocket. Man, I tell you, what would happen is we'd finish at 12 o'clock, drop the bucket off and then we'd go down the road, we'd buy fish and chips and we'd play like soft drink. Like we just, oh man, we just gorged. Didn't, didn't save any of it. And we just played Pac-Man all day, like 20 cent a game. It was awesome, it was awesome, I loved it. Uh, so that was my first business, that was my first business. But by the time, that's I, so I was 10, by the time I was 18, uh, I was on my 4th. Business, uh, like I, I own my own business outright at 18. It was a cafe that I, like, I owned that at 18. Yeah, I went. I became my, my, I became a waiter in my father's pizza business. He got a pizza business when I was 11. I became the waiter, worked there every night, and then at 14, I left school at 14 to be my, my, my father's business partner in a cafe, uh, and um, and I worked. I got to tell you, I, I like. I worked from 7 a.m. in the morning till 9 p.m. at night, seven days a week for three years. Wow. Yeah, it was <laughs> hectic. Well, all of my mates are going to the beach, you know. <laughs> um, but it was good. It was, I don't know, there was something about business that was just like a duck to water, you know. It was just, mm. I just knew, you know, which is, I, I know it's rare because most, you know, my, my kids, when they were that age, they had no idea what they were going to do. They were just hitting me up for money, you know. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. <laughs> They could <laughs> so um we've got a few questions, but if you have any questions yourself that you've been like all weekend, you're just like man, what what do you have an answer for this? um send them through to uh myself uh if you have my number, if you don't so I'm next you may if not, too bad. I'm not putting it on live stream <laughs> no way um, <laughs> but um we th- we had the first question um so it was it was a pretty uh common question was um so. Spending time with you, you often say um, the most important thing um, in business and the and running a business is your own intimacy with God. Yeah. What does that look like?
0: Yeah i i I think that I, I think intimacy with God is the master key to life. Like like for a believer, there's there's just nothing else that can become the foundation of your life. And I think that sometimes what happens is that um business people and not just business people but people in the
1: workplace and all the rest,
0: sometimes that's that's a real that's a real hurdle. Like just, you know Yeah, well,
1: I sorry, I should finish yeah. the question. It is how do you how does it become attractive for people above other distractions? Yeah. Because people put it in the back burner. They're just yeah. like, Oh yeah, maybe church on Sunday I might enter in and get intimacy with God there.
0: Yeah. I, I think intimacy looks different in for everyone. Like That's why it's hard to go, oh, intimacy looks like, you know, three chapters of the Bible a day and your 15-minute prayer list and your five-minute worship session. You know, like, you you can't... Like, it's like no one has to... When you're married, hopefully, no one has to tell you uh, how to look into the the eyes of your spouse and love them. Like, like intimacy is something that you allow yourself to be drawn into. And I, I just think... You know, just this thought about um, intimacy is going to look different for everyone and, 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 it's, and it's also going to look different. I think the other thing is intimacy with God looks different in the different stages of your life. You, you know, there are seasons of intimacy that like, because actually you, you, your intimacy with God is actually not, never, not, it's not a static line that goes like that. It's supposed to go deeper. You know, so what intimacy with God looked like when I first got saved. I mean, when you first get saved, it's like honeymoon, right? It's like you just see Jesus in everything. You know, you see Jesus in your coffee. You see Jesus in just everything in the sky. And it's just like, but then, then like, you know, the distractions or what else comes. But, but it's actually a maturing thing as well. And, and yes, you know what, there's, there's great patterns about that. But I, I just think intimacy, you've got to lead with your heart and not your head. A lot of people try and figure intimacy out with their head. This is what I should do, and then it—it's it, no longer intimacy. It's a burden. It's a—it's a religious burden. I didn't—I didn't—I didn't read my Bible today. I hope that's not going to invalidate my prayers. Like it's that stuff, you know. Which is just like, are you serious? Like God loved you at your worst. Like God called you at your worst. Do you think that you know anything that you do it? So, but intimacy is just like. You, you got to lead with your heart. It's and 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 it's not only that. Um, I was I've been saying to people, you know, you, we don't have the capacity. Listen to this: in our humanity, we don't actually have the capacity as finite beings to love an infinite God. Like like, hear this: the only reason you can love God is because God puts His love inside of you, so you can love Him back with it. You got to hear that. So so intimacy with God. <laughs> is is you've actually got to receive the love of god inside of you that that the agape love this this divine breath this divine pulse from god that you love him back with like like intimacy is a spiritual experience not a religious duty you hear that intimacy is a is a spiritual experience not a religious duty if you've made it a religious duty um uh you know, you, you, you're going down the wrong track. It's going to be really hard, uh, and it's probably not going to produce a lot. I remember really feeling, um, you know, trying to make it a religious duty, and, you know, I'd read three chapters of the Bible, and by the time I finished the third, third chapter, I forgot it all anyway, you know, because it was this, this head thing. It's like you can't, you can't do that. intimacy is loving God with his love that he put inside of you so that you can love him back. And so that's why you can't take the glory for it. That's why. That's why when I hear people bragging about, you know, like sometimes a naive or I- immature Christians bragging about how 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 you know almost like how good they are at loving God, I laugh. I just go, dude, you can't love God uh, with your own strength. It's just the grace of God that that that's in you to love Him back with.
1: Far up. It's gonna be every question I. Just... <laughs> um so i think the the big the big um draw card for me um towards yourself was that you really bridge the gap between um or you empower the bridge to bridge the gap between um i guess church christianity and marketplace christianity right. and your i mean you have unlimited stories but um what does it look like to? I guess I mean there's specific questions, but I mean maybe you want to speak to it in general first. Sure. Um, what does it look like to live a Christian life during the week and you know Sunday just be a can be a celebration? You know, focus yeah. on that. I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, blokes struggle with this more than women do because of our makeup, and and for most, I tell you, like so, blokes in general men in general tend to think they treat their life in these like as if your life is these compartments right so this is work this is family this is money this is kind of play and we we, we okay I mean I'm in work mode you know I'm in family mode I mean you know and we sort of treat life as compartments uh, women have a bit of an advantage because they actually they actually operate uh, in reality, which is all of life is all of life, right? Everything's in that bucket. It's why you could be, you know, if you're married for any, you know, number of years and, and you're a bloke and you you're speaking to your wife and you think that the conversation is going here and then all of a sudden, right in the midst of it, she talks about something up here and you go, where did that come from? That doesn't even fit where we were going, you know, and it's because, you know a, a woman under like intuitively she's just much better at all of life affects all of life and i think sometimes what we do what religion does to us is it it tries to put this is my god box this is my work box this is my social box this is my you know and and god's not interested in fitting into that box god's like i want to be in every box mm-hmm. right like i i, I literally i want to be in every box so so what happens is that uh, unfortunately it gets reinforced with a religious prejudice where we where we begin to say these things God is involved in or, or God is really involved in, let's say that, God is really involved in church on Sunday, God is really involved in my prayer time, God is really involved in my Bible reading. But then you go, God's kind of involved in my workplace but not as much as he's in church, right? No, not as much as he is. Like I, most people wouldn't say oh God's not involved in my workplace but you know they kind of you not as much there'd be different definitely different levels but but actually from a supernatural and a spiritual perspective there's there's actually no difference that God is just as present with you in your workplace in your business when you're when you're you know when, when you're um down the road like like God is just as present as he is when you're in church like when you're in Sunday church or in a bible study meeting or a prayer meeting or something like that there's that the windows of heaven are just as open at work as they are here but 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 then the issue is never about as the windows of heaven closed or open it's it's how where am i cuz cuz the awareness creates a pull how do you think about how you pull on God in worship when you really need something like when you you know maybe you're going through a real season in your life and you're crying out to God think about how you pour pull pull like pull into God in worship well well that reality that ability to pull is just as available in your workplace just as available in your business right like just as available but but we kind of yeah we we've just been conditioned a little bit to 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 treat that differently and I my I feel like one of my big mandates is to even the playing field that says God is just as available just as present just as ready the Holy Spirit is just as just as powerful uh in the boardroom as he is in the church room you know
1: that's powerful so I guess the, the question is do you have is there any examples of that like what is so one of the questions was you know like I'm a I'm a fresh Christian, so okay. I'm on fire. Great. And then all of a sudden I'm an outcast because I'm being weird about Christianity. Yeah. What does it look like to, to like, I guess, yeah, have, be on fire in the workplace yeah. here in God, yeah. but it being, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think, look, I think there's wisdom, right? Like, like wisdom in that um, there's wisdom, in, like, so there's knowledge. You can have knowledge, but not wisdom. And so you can be full of knowledge and yet be an outcast because you don't exercise wisdom. And it's, it's not just to get, you know, don't just get wisdom, get understanding. You know, like there's an application of truth. And so I, I, I think that we should be passionately in love with Jesus. How we manifest that is going to be different because i, I got to just, I mean, maybe let's just talk straight here. Um, most, of our, most of our business, uh, most of our workplaces don't pay us to preach the gospel. They pay us to fulfil a vocation, right? Like they pay us to fill a vocation. And so you taking, you know, you taking, uh, you slow, you know, taking up time when you're being paid to deliver, you know, a job in the workplace and you're distracting people, right? Because of your passion for Jesus and you go, I'm just doing it for Jesus. It's probably going to get you fired. But, but, you know, like there's just... You can outwork your passion in the workplace. I'll give you an example. If, if you love Jesus and you want to you wanna really preach the gospel, be the best employee turn up early, do 110% while everybody else is doing just enough or 95% so that they don't get fired. And then when the boss comes and says to you, why is it that you're the best worker? Why is it that you give me 110% even when I'm not looking? Then you can say, because you know what? I know I'm employed by you, but I, I just believe that everything I'm doing, I'm doing as if God, like God, like I'm doing it for God. Yeah. Like that. See, that's preaching the gospel in the workplace because that's pretty impressive. Because I tell you what, I hired Christians, we hired Christians in our businesses and they were the worst workers and they took extra advantage because they knew we were Christians and they turned up late and then told me that they were out of prayer meeting the night before and they slept in. Like, like, you know, like, I mean, you, you know, you just, passion is good. But Paul says that that sometimes there's a zealousness without true knowledge, without true understanding. And zealousness without without wisdom and understanding, it's not helpful. And it and it doesn't honestly it, it doesn't champion the gospel well, particularly in the workplace. I just think we the workplace has a different set of rules. Like right? workplace is not church. Here we're overt. Here here straight talk. You know, that's how it is. In the workplace, it's a different... Even Jesus honored the marketplace, right? You think of the interactions of Jesus in the marketplace. Jesus with the woman at the well. He does not, first time she comes to the well, he doesn't say to her, hey, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? He doesn't do that. He asks her for a glass of water. And he has a conversation and she leads the conversation deeper and deeper and deeper until, you know, she's the one that instigates that, that, that crux moment. He doesn't do that. He, he's, he's being wise. I think if he would have said, do you know the Messiah? I think she would have run. I think she would have run like seriously, because I've seen a lot of people run when you said, you know, you know, like, and, and unless it's the spirit of the Lord, like, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, but in general, the, the rules of engagement in the marketplace are different, and, uh, and it's one of the challenges um, sometimes, it's one of the challenges in, in some of the church settings, because we, what we see modelled is an overt presentation of the gospel, which is appropriate for church. It's appropriate for Sunday expression. We're supposed to be overt. But in the marketplace, it's dominantly covert, not compromised, by the way. There's a thousand ways to say Jesus is Lord without saying overtly Jesus is Lord. When I prophesy in the marketplace uh, to unsaved people, I don't usually go up to them and say, I've got a prophetic word for you. (laughs) I, I, I might be having a conversation with someone and I would say something like, you know, can I... I usually ask for permission. I say, can I share something with you? And they go like, oh, yeah, sure, what? And I say, look, as you've been talking, I just get this picture in my heart. Can I share it with you? Sure, what's that? I've never had anybody say no, by the way. And then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say, I just see you and da, 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 da. And then their eyes open up and they go going, how do you know that about me? We never talked about that. Who revealed that to you? And that provokes the deeper conversation, right? It's like Jesus going to the woman, actually you you know you don't just have one you you've had five, you know like it's uh, and when I go to pray for people in the you know when I'm when someone's telling me about some hard things I I don't say oh you know can I you know in the office when I used to work in corporate life I I never used to say to someone hey can I lay hands on you right now and speak in tongues and break that thing off your life I would usually say oh man I'm I'm really burdened for you that that is that tragedy that's going on at home you know what I I'd love to speak a blessing over you would you. I speak a blessing. That's, that's how I say pray in the marketplace, by the way. I'd love to speak a blessing over you. I've never had anybody say, don't bless me. I've had some people say, but, but I, don't, I don't have faith. And I'm like, that's okay. You don't need to because I do. Can I bless you? And then I don't, you know, lay hands on them and try and knock them over and speak in tongues in the office, you know. If, if, if it's like, you know, if they say, oh, could you do that now? I keep my eyes open. I keep my voice low. And I say, Father, I bless this son, this daughter, and I, I thank you for this situation in Jesus' name. I thank you that you're, you're breaking through here. Amen. And then I said to him, hey, I, I know something's going to happen. And when it does, would you mind just, just telling me? Because I, I just want to celebrate it with you. That's it. Do you understand? It's like a, I'm passionate about it. I think we should be absolutely wonderful evangelists in the workplace. But the rules of engagement are different.
1: Mm. Oh, That's good. Um, on that, when do you, when do you, um, I guess, appropriately go into the prophetic? So, like, when do you tap into that? Because like, obviously, like, when you have a job, you when you have a vocation, you're going, you know, you're trying to get the work done. Yeah. When are there, like, the times that you're just like, oh, I should go into, or, like, naturally do you go to the prophetic in certain moments? Like, what do they look like?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a great, I mean, uh, I mean, you've got to remember the context of my world, my co- context of my world is I'm a consultant and a problem solver. So most of the prophetic expression in my life is solving problems prophetically. For business, for like because like, sometimes we go, oh, if you're going to prophesy, then you've just what it is you you're just prophesying destiny about people, right? But actually, uh, the prophetic isn't just about telling people their future, because uh, the, the prophetic is like God wants to solve problems. Like maybe there's, you go, really, can you can you do that? I'm like, how many times have I been in a team meeting and there's a problem in the business? Maybe there's a problem in a department or something like that and no one's got the answer and we can't work it out. And while we're sort of talking about it and there's the group thing going on, I'm saying, Lord, uh, I, I'm not quite sure that I know how to figure this out. Have you got something to say here? And God will say, um, and, and God will give me like a strategy. And I'll just say to the, this is what I'll say to the floor. I'll say, hey, can I just put something on the table? That's how I say, can I prophesy? Can I put something on the table? right? Because I'm going to let them weigh the, perif- these are unsaved people, by the way. I'm not talking about a church setting. And I'll just say, hey, what if we looked at this thing and looked at it with dirt, 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 and then all of a sudden they're weighing and they're going. Actually, that's brilliant. I think that's going to work. Oh, Dave, you're awesome. You need a pay rise. And I'm like, yes, absolutely, I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, like it's I I when I prophesy in the marketplace. By the way, I don't always tell people that I'm prophesying. Like, like you know, because it's it's like that might be a there might be uh, when Jesus performed miracles in the marketplace which by the way uh two-thirds i think there's 30 uh somewhere around 36 recorded miracles across the gospels right Uh, of those 30 whatever uh over 30 of them are in the marketplace right not in the church so but but not every time that jesus performed a miracle in the marketplace did it lead to a conversion to like lead to someone's salvation I mean, remember when Jesus goes to, the, uh, to the, the, the pools where all the sick people are, which is kind of a radical story if you really think about that. Because, you know, there's, there's half the account, there's like, you know, Jesus is in a village and, and there's a line up out the door all night of people that they're laying hands on and it says he healed them all right can imagine the disciples like in this gig going oh that's amazing what a what a blowout night they're exhausted the next day they go to Jerusalem and they're thinking okay I can't imagine what's going to happen like we just did that in the village what's Jesus going to do in this city he's going to rock the city and they Jesus gets up and they start following him and they go to this place and they turn the corner and they see all these pools and they see like the, the area is littered with With sick people because they have this superstition about if the water stirs and someone jumps in the pool, they'll get well. So you got all these hopeless people and the disciples might have gone, oh man, this is like fishing at a fish farm. Like Jesus is just going to rock this place, right? And then they watch Jesus begin to step over sick people and step around sick people and go past others. And they're thinking, what's going on? Why doesn't he start at the edge? Like, And then they're thinking, maybe he's going to start in the middle. And he goes over to some dude and has a conversation with him. And then all of a sudden, a miracle happens. And they go, right, it's about to start. And then Jesus turns around and walks out, doesn't heal anybody else. I mean, I think that's a really interesting moment. It's a really interesting moment. Because see, in the marketplace, can you be under the command of the king? Can you be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? But the person that Jesus heals goes and dobs him into the Pharisees, right? And, and he's like, he's the, like we would go, he's the worst person to heal. He should have healed somebody else that was nicer. He healed this other dude. He, and, and, you know, I just, I, I, I think that um, we always think that, oh man, every moment or every time there's a supernatural thing in the marketplace, it leads to a conversion. But that's not even in your gospels. It it does attune people to kingdom, like it like every 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 prophetic thing, every supernatural thing. It attunes people a little bit towards the kingdom. But most people, many people, don't give their hearts to the Lord the first time they hear the gospel, or the first time they have that sort of an encounter. Some people do, but not everybody does. And I just think if you're in the in the workplace, if you just say, God, um, uh, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to limit you. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What, what if God wants to not heal a person but heal the culture in your workplace like like what if you got a culture of backbiting and Jesus says actually I want I want you to bring a culture of honor and you go how am I going to do that well how about displaying honor in a context of dishonor well everybody else is backbiting you refuse and and you just not not I'm not saying you're going to shout at everyone say stop backbiting I'm just saying you model honor and so when you have an opportunity to backbite instead of that you model Jesus like like you know think about that. It's really interesting how all that works out
1: um so with the with i guess running a business um so you deal with a lot of people that run businesses yeah. that's um how can i guess so there's the i guess we're talking about bridging again yeah. so there's people at your church that you have set up to um intercess pray for these oh, yeah yeah can you talk about that a little bit little yeah, bit? What, yeah. Like, what does it look like for how can you know we do it what does yeah. it look like to be a business person to receive yep. it or yep. open up to it yep. and then an intercessor as well
0: yeah i mean i think let's think about it this way like you wouldn't think as far as church you, you, you know you don't go you wouldn't say oh church is an optional uh prayer is an optional extra for church like in harmony church you wouldn't say oh well nobody really needs to pray Uh, like, unless you really feel like it's not really, no, no, you go, hang on. We know that prayer works. We know that, that prayer is important, right? Because why? Because it's the, it's, it, it's the, it, it, it brings as it were, the power of God for the release of ministry, right? The ministry expression. But I'm telling you that whether you work in the church or in the, if you've got a business, your business isn't just, well, it's not your business, it's God's business, but, but your business is ministry, right and so if your business is ministry then your business needs prayer now I think that that every believer that runs a business should pray and they should pray for their business I think you should pray for your customers I think you should pray so you get some customers that's always going to help right Uh, I think you should pray for your suppliers Uh, I mean I I treated I, I treat uh, you know, the, my employees are, are actually—they're not just staff members; they're not just cogs in a wheel. They're people that have been entrusted to my care. So, so in the in entrust, they're in my world. So that means I pray for them. Um, but but it, over and above that, uh, we actually, because we believe in prayer and we believe in that business is ministry, uh, we have um, we have a real prayer, a prayer team that is actually dedicated. Uh, to pray for the business people in our church and uh, now here's the interesting thing and I always say this to kingdom business people just because intercessors are praying for your business doesn't mean that you stop praying <laughs> right you can't outsource prayer right in that space you could like you know imagine if Gideon says oh well other people are praying and I'm the senior pastor but I'm not going to pray anymore like no, no it's not going to happen it doesn't happen like that but one of the one of the one of my friends, dear friends, dear business couple, older couple that God called out of corporate life to actually begin to, at fifty-five, called them out of corporate life. Like he was get, he was a high-level CFO getting ready for retirement, and God said to them at fifty-five, uh, "I want you to build me a church in the marketplace uh, that'll be a business and it'll be a beacon of hope." And so they began. They came into the childcare industry, and um, and and. From very early on in the child, when they had just one childcare, they they decided that prayer was so important. They they were both great prayer prayer warriors, but they actually immediately they had a a great intercessor, an older gentleman that was around their life. They be they used to pay him. Listen to this. They used to pay him a day a week to come into the centre, and uh, he was he was their unofficial chaplain for their staff. But he he his job was to prayer walk walk each of the rooms which all the kids were in and just bless the kids and just pray for hours right that they, they now have a they have uh, 10 centers 300, 300 staff that's this business right 10 years later 10 centers 300 staff like just multi they have five five people on staff that are that are prayer warriors that are like that that have uh, two are exclusively like paid pay, like when you say paid to pray, they're, they're not paid to pray. Um, they're, they're, the payment is so that those prayer warriors can spend time in prayer for the business right you understand otherwise otherwise they have to go and work and like other jobs well this is becomes their job and uh they have a they have a an intercessors meeting with the c the two ceos every wednesday where the uh the the intercessors bring all the everything they've been hearing in prayer for the business and the ceo then also uh gives them um Kind of like the strategy of of new sites that they 're looking at or, or or deals that have come across his table, and he doesn 't make any calls until the intercessors' prayer like until they pray and until all of them until there 's something they feel like they 've heard god he doesn 't he doesn 't make a call because he 's like it 's not my business i 'm a steward here uh, you know they 're really serious about prayer so um, uh, i 've got two uh, two intercessors uh, that um, Like, there's a professional uh, arrangement between us um, that pray for for me and for the consultancy and all the rest.
1: Far up, My goodness. Uh, So there was... Taking a bit of a shift now. Um, Has God... This is direct. Has God ever slowed down your ministry just to deal with your heart? And what was that like for you if it was?
0: Yeah, I mean absolutely um absolutely Uh, uh, real painful for someone who is wired as an achiever like uh, like divine delay well i'm trying to bind the devil you know uh you know that's uh, the devil's blocking my progress you know only to hear god say it's not the devil (laughs) you know it's me and and i remember complaining to god saying god like like I, I, i'm i'm not being used enough and he said we're not deep enough yet and i and and i, and I said cause "I remember the lord said you'll come into a season of such acceleration that if your depth in me is like is, is is not is not enough that will tip you over and my priority is not what you do for me but you my priority is not what you do for me but you I remember the Lord really challenged me one day because I'm complaining about not being used enough. And I remember the Lord said to me, if I never, if I never got you to do anything except love me, would that be enough? <laughs> yeah, he's asking someone who is wired as an achiever. If, you, if, you, if, if, if I had nothing for you to achieve except to love me, would that be enough? And it's got to come to a point where it's enough. And it is. So everything else now is icing on the cake. It's just not my identity. I, 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 love, I love being put in some of the most amazing rooms in the world with some of the most amazing people, but my identity isn't that. I'm loved by God. I'm a son of the king. Whenever I get a little intimidated, I just remind myself uh, whose I am you know, sometimes when, like, by the grace of God, I I get to walk into some really interesting rooms, really interesting people, and, um, you know, sometimes I can get a bit intimidated still now, you know, and the way that I encourage myself is I take a breath, and on the inside, I just say, whoever this person is, is about to meet God with my face on him, and then the intimidation leaves. I'm an ambassador of the king, like, I'm deep with God, like, we're, like, deep, like, there's no getting out of here. It's like the mafia, you know, in a, in a good way though, you know, it's like, I'm a made man. Like I'm made, like that's just, you're in the family. There's, you don't get out of the family. You can't leave. It's just, it's done. And I think that that's a really powerful anchor point. And some of the, uh, it's it's interesting, um, some of the most significantly successful, and I talk about that in a holistic sense that are impacting the world, marketplace people that I've, had the privilege to see behind closed doors I can tell you that their depth of intimacy with Christ and their depth of their relationship is just outstanding it's outstanding but they never brag about it they never broadcast it it's just this deep roots and you know you might say well I, I I'm not you know I'm not a big shot or this and that intimacy with Christ like just anchor deep Anchor deep, like it's Peter, right? Peter's Peter's the ultimate achiever that that can't slow down and can't kind of let God's timing pick him, you know. Uh, I think about just uh, let me just do this two two like two minutes. Peter, it's the Last Supper. Peter's like just you know he still hasn't learned any of the lessons. He's still trying to run ahead of God, right? And Jesus goes to Peter's, lead him back, and you know John's on. Jesus' chest, he's such a sook. You know, it's like, and he looks over to Peter and he says to Peter, hey, I was talking to the devil the other day and the devil asked if he could muck up your world. And Peter's going, what? You, got, you had a conversation with the devil about me? And Peter's thinking, oh man, just as well Jesus said no. And then Jesus goes, so I told him that he could muck, up, muck you around. But when you return, strengthen your brothers. And it's like, what? Like, what? Are you saying God... Jesus wasn't going to run block for Peter. And it's like, no, he wasn't. Why? Because there was something in that shaking that was going to put a depth inside of Peter that was going to make him be able to be the great apostle that he was at the, you know, for the rest of his life. Like, it's, it's God's serious about you, that relationship with you, that heart relationship, the depth of it. And um, it's the priority right? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom means seek first the king and his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else comes after that. Everything
1: else comes after that. Um, another shift. Here we go. How do you know um, that you are gifted or that is a God dream to go after business? How do you know that? Oh, that's yeah, a great cause question. because like it's exciting. Like, yeah. Because I guess businesses' vision and vision is yeah. very capturing. It's hopeful. But right. Right. I, how do you know if you're the right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the right
0: yeah. person to think. There, there's, I mean, you, you guys would have had it here. There's a, uh, years ago, uh, there was a show, a TV show, like a reality TV show uh, called Australian Idol. You would have had New Zealand Idol. In the early days, I don't know if they do it anymore because they don't do it in Australia, but in the early days, they also used to not just show you the people performing, but they used to show you the auditions right and some of the auditions were a train wreck did they do that here as well where they just showed some of the people that were totally like yeah so 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 i remember one like this this girl comes on she's She's probably all of about 16, 17. And uh, she's all excited, all the rest. And and the judges were, I, I mean, they played it up. The judges are pretty brutal, you know. And uh, she comes on and they're like, hey, who are you, where are you from, and da-da-da. And, okay, what are you going to do? And she goes, oh, I'm going to sing, I don't know, I'm going to sing Baby Baby by Britney Spears. I don't know, something like that, right? And and it's like, okay, great. You know, she's, she's kind of bubbly, it's all good. And all of a sudden she is like, oh, go, do it, you know. So she closes her eyes and the moment she sort of, the, moment, the first word she sings out, everybody on national television and in, all the camera team and the three judges know that she can't sing, right? They just know, like they just know. The only person that doesn't know it is her. She's got her eyes closed and she starts building it out, right? They let this train wreck happen for about 15 seconds and then all of a sudden one of the judges goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hang on, hang on. And then, and then n- now it's television, right? Now they're going to play with it. And then they're like, "Hey, who, who, who told you you can sing?" And she's like, "Oh, my mother. You know, she told me I could sing. I'm a great singer." And it's like, "Have you ever sung anywhere?" "I sing in the shower and I sing in my bedroom." You know, "Have you ever had any singing lessons?" "No, but you know, I, 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 watch you know Britney on television and I sing when she sings and it's great." You know, and then all of a sudden, one of the judges like just ends it and he goes, "You know what? You can't sing. You can't hold a note." you know you need to get out and and they're out and it's this brutal thing and and you know as you're watching it you're feeling for her you're kind of laughing but then you're sad and and then you know she's all upset and because she was chasing a dream that she's not wired for and and I find a lot of people think that somehow business entrepreneurship is the magic ticket that's going to solve all their problems but but you've got to know your wiring if you're not naturally wired as a risk taker if you're not naturally wired to solve problems if you're not naturally wired with a passion for business then starting a business and praying god blesses you is not a good strategy it's 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 a it's a train wreck waiting to happen and the problem is when the train wreck happens then lots of people get angry and blame god yeah. right you let me down you know and it's like No, God never spoke to you about it. You just watched too many Gary V videos, you know. You just someone told you just hustle and grind, and it'll happen. It's not like that. God doesn't wire you. Listen to this. God doesn't wire you in your soul one way, and then place a destiny upon you that's totally different to that. I know that I have no destiny to be a worship leader on the stage. Why? Because I can't hold a note. I can't hold a note. So I, you know, as much as I'd like to, like, I mean, who wouldn't? You know, like, I, I, it's, it's, it seems amazing, but, but I'm just not wired that way. But I'm wired for business. How do I know that? Because by 10 years old, I was, I was solving problems and building businesses. And so it's like, it's not a big, like, I, I want to be an artist. Well, that's great. But if your capacity for art is stick figures and you've been trying it for 10 years, it's probably not your destiny. It's probably not your calling. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just God doesn't want, like God, that that would be monstrous that God would wire you one way and then put a destiny that has got nothing to do with the way that he knit you together, right? What, What happens is God tailor makes you, this is Psalm 139, by the way. He fashions me. In, in my mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully if I, am I made. And then it says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God tailor makes you for the story he calls you into. God tailor makes you for the story he calls you into. I, I used to, I used to uh, ask 18-year-olds, what do you want to do with your life? I think that's an unfair question. I think it's an unfair question. 18, you got no idea. Uh, like, you know, unless, I mean, uh, unless there's an oddity there, but like, as in, uh, you know, in the very smallest percent, maybe, but you no, know, what an 18 year old should do is um, follow their nose and whatever's in front of them, give themselves 110%. If, if you're in school, you should be 110% in school. Like if you're in university, you should be 110% in university. If you're in, if you're in a job flipping burgers at Macca's, you should be 110% in that. Why? Because it's a, it's not about flipping the burgers. It's not about making the coffee. It's not about drawing. It's it's about building the discipline that just honors that which is in front of you, and just trust that the gifts and the callings and the wirings of God are going to lead you as the providence of God leads, opens the doors, and uh, and and God's going to do that, you know. I, I just think that's the best advice I can give if you're in that you know young adult bracket, you know. Um, you're probably going to have six jobs before you actually land something that's going to be some semblance of your career. But none of those other jobs, if you give yourself 110% of them, is wasted. My, my, my kids, I, 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 I made all my kids uh, in Australia, you can you can work at Macca's at 14, 14 years and nine months. And and here's the deal. All of my kids had to work at Macca's for one year. They had to do a one-year apprenticeship what, because I wanted them to flip burgers? No, I, I mean, if they want to flip burgers their, all their life, they had to do a Macca's apprenticeship because I knew that the Macca's induction system is the best in the world. Yeah. I knew that it would teach my kids how to work hard, how to, how to really grind and, and, and lift, and I knew it would teach them how to take orders and how to face um adults and speak to them and grow in confidence they had to last one year didn't matter how terrible their manager was or anything else it wasn't convenient for me to go and pick them up at 9:30 at night they're earning like eight bucks an hour you know and uh they're eating more than that at home you know like uh so it's like you know it's not convenient for me like to go out but I'm just like you know you do it do it for one year I remember um I remember my, my oldest son. Um, he had he'd been listening to some of the ca- some of the coaching stuff I was doing with my clients, and so um, he um, he's he's 15. He's been working at Macca's three months, and the owner you know the owner of the store comes in and he walks up to the owner and he says, "Hi, my name's Alex Blestrey. I work for you. I'm you know I'm I'm on the co- I'm on the coffee, coffee machine here." And Alex says to him, uh, I, "I'd love to buy you a coffee one day and just for 30 minutes hear your story." Right, I'll pay for the coffee. Like, I'll I'll buy the coffee. It'll be McDonald's coffee. I'll buy the coffee, and I'd like to hear a story for 30 minutes. And so the the owner agreed. Right, he agreed, and he said, Yeah, okay. And so tomorrow, come in at you know half an hour before you start work, and and so Alex comes in with his notepad. his three questions. Like, he'd listened to what I'd said to my clients. Three key questions. His notepad. Made sure he paid for the coffee, made sure he only take, took 30 minutes and asked these questions and wrote down answers as this guy's telling them the story. So I go to pick my son up at the end of his shift and and as I he he told me he was going to do that and as as I rock up, there's the owner waiting at the door of the McDonald's and I think, oh no, like what's he done? <laughs> like, oh no, you know, like and I get out of the car and he comes over and he says, Mr. Bellestri, is that, are you Mr. Belestri? I said, oh, yeah. He said, your son Alex. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's my son. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I have, he said, been in McDonald's, like he'd owned McDonald's for 20 years. He says, I've had over 3,000 employees. He goes, I can tell you, never has anyone offered to buy me a coffee or ask me my story. And he said, I know your son's 15. He said, I don't know what you put inside of him. He said, but whatever I can do to help this young man right? I'm committed to doing. I remember uh, uh, they, they, uh, he he went and paid for my son at 16 to do a while he was in high school that he went and paid for him to do a cert three in retail management. Like he, he, he paid for it. I didn't pay for it. He paid for it. He said, no, I want to invest. I want to somehow invest in your son. Like, you know, just bless what's in front of you. Doors will open. Bless what's in front of you.
1: Great. Um, by the way, you can keep sending questions because after this we're actually going to record Bubble Dutch, so we're going to we're going to keep going, but we're gonna just we're kind of going to wrap up. We'll let you go here. home. Yeah. But um, I think one one surprising um, thing for me while you've been here, because I have got to spend quite a lot of time with you while you've been here, and it's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. But you've um, I didn't expect one of my main takeaways to be um, you're you talk about how much you value your church, right. and like Mark and Darlene, like you're just you are so uh honoring of them. What is you? I guess my question would be, um, how do, how do you see the importance of the church? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a great, it's a great question. Um, church is family, and everybody needs family, um, people. I don't care how talented you are, what sort of size destiny you think you have or whatever. Um, you just can't do it alone. And um, and, it, and there's no such... Thing. Like, some people go, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's just me and God. You, you haven't read your Bible. Like, you haven't read your Bible. Yeah, Salvation, yes, absolutely. Your decision uh your your decision to open your heart and receive Jesus that's that's a personal you know spirit of God in you everything else every other part of your world biblically is family corporate um you will always serve God through the flesh of another like always you'll always serve God through the flesh of another and if until you can learn how to um uh, how to humble yourself how to honor we just don't understand that honor is the is like a master key in the kingdom and and god assigns people around your life um everybody everybody is assigned someone to walk with to 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 listen to 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 be led by, it, uh, you don't ever outgrow that, I used to think in my 20s, as a believer, I used to think I can't wait till I get 40, that way when I'm 40, you know, I just, I won't have all these people that are mentoring me, because I'll know it all, right, because I'll be 40, 40, because 40's like, that's a long time, you're pretty old if you're 40, and um, and when I got to 40, I actually, I had this revelation that it was like, actually, I want to I have mentors and people that are living in my preferred future, and people that are in front of me in the Lord, I want to have them close to my life, all my life. So it's going to get, it gets a bit harder when you're about 80, you know, but maybe when I'm 80, I'll I'll find someone who's 60, who's absolutely further down the track with the Lord than I am, who I'll submit to. And I'll do that gladly with great honor. Like, it's just, we think that the world teaches you if, you know, you're self-made and like if, you know, if you need other people, you're weak, but in the kingdom, you're strong. It's strength. And so my, my senior pastors, I just have a revelation that it doesn't matter how successful I become or whatever, yada, yada, yada. Um, I need them. I, 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 need, I, I need their love. I need their counsel. I, I need their friendship. I need their prayers. And they need mine too, you know. And so we're going to do life together. No, no one does well by themselves. No one does well by themselves. You never find a well-adjusted hermit. You never do.
1: That is awesome. Um, well, I guess we're in the the series of kind of low key the the heart of the house. Um, so we're we're in that somewhat. Um, what what is the significance for you? And you've I've I've heard some stories now, some crazy cool stories of what what have, what's happened in, in your community. Do you want to um I guess touch on that a little bit? And um, what do you like? What value do you see in the the half of the house opportunities?
0: I think if your giving exceeds your intimacy, you'll hurt yourself. It's really important, right? If your giving exceeds your intimacy in Christ, you'll hurt yourself and you'll think that you you'll think that you paid God. Um so so I I (laughs) just let that sit for a second like so so on the other side of that foot um most of the time your giving is the barometer of your intimacy I'm not talking about how much you give i'm talking about the sacrifice you give with we don't teach equal giving in our church we teach equal sacrifice there were seasons in my life that to give a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars in something like this sort of an offering would have been a massive sacrifice just massive uh, where somebody else would have written a check for a hundred thousand dollars and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been the same sacrifice right and so that's why the comparison thing is terrible it's terrible It doesn't matter what somebody else gives it's that's got nothing to do with you what's got to do with you is what is holy spirit placed on you so when you come to a when there's an opportunity like heart for the house it's like we want you to listen to holy spirit and, and and give in accordance to the season that you're in right and and remember it's it's always linked to your intimacy now now, thank God! I, I said I, I, I. We've got testimonies, of course, of people that were in certain seasons where they couldn't give much. But but he, here's the interesting thing. I, I, I have an attitude about it because I just go, look, if you're in the family, um, the question is not should I give. Like like that that's the wrong question. Yeah, that means you don't understand. That don't you don't understand who saved you? You don't understand who is your who is your Lord and Saviour. It's never about, should I give? No, you're part of the family. We, this family business, right? This isn't about, should I give? It's just the measure. Holy Spirit, what is the measure? What is, that? What is that, that measure that you're asking, that you're inviting me, inviting us as a family to stretch towards? And it needs to be a stretch because otherwise it's not a sacrifice. If you can afford it, if you can afford it, if it's, then, then you haven't given yet. <laughs> uh, it's like like we could you know, I, I i'm just touching a tips an iceberg and maybe my prayer is just that something i say will just haunt you for a couple of days and but and 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 that and that the that, that you're quiet and you say okay holy spirit it bothered me that he said that you explained to me what he was trying to say because I'm, I'm struggling to process it really important
1: Wow. Um, I guess um, we're we're out of time. We've, we've been okay. going for about an hour. Mm. But um, so has this been good. helpful, by the way? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, is there any final thoughts that you want to leave the I guess the the Harmony family with in particular?
0: Yeah, I, I do. Hey, listen, I travel all over the world, and um, uh, and I see lots of different things going on, and and God's good. You know, like God's good. And I just want to say to you, sometimes when you're very close to something, you don't realize what's in front of you. And I just want to say, you know, your senior pastors, they don't pay me to say this. They really are laid down lovers for the Lord. And, um, you know, I would just say to you, I encourage you, um, get behind them, um, get 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 underneath them and just push push the kingdom like push in press in because you know what um this city needs the kingdom it needs the love of god to really break out and break forth and if god has planted you here just just don't be a spectator you know don't be someone that's kind of digging the heels in and and is dragging and making this you know the the work of the ministry tougher just kind of do your bit like like and get behind uh, these laid down lovers for the Lord, and uh, I really believe—I really do—I really believe that God is going. God is moving this church into a powerful, exciting season, and uh, that's why you're here because you're you're a part of it. So bless you.
1: Well, wow. is there any chance that you could pray for us? I'd love to. That'd be love awesome. to. Father,
0: thank you. Thank you for everyone online. Thank you for everyone in this room. Uh, thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for journey. We thank you, I thank you that each and every one here is on a, a wonderful adventure called called God's love, called called destiny, called purpose. I thank you, Lord, right now tonight. I just pray that there would be a fresh stirring in their hearts uh, of each and every family, each and every person here, each and every person online that's watching and listening uh, towards God, just giving themselves to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For your strength, your power. Thank you, Lord, that you, you you're doing miracles in the midst of this great family. I thank you for the testimonies. There's going to be testimonies uh, next week, and and but I but I thank you for the ones that have happened. But I thank you, Lord, even for the balance of this year. Great testimonies, healings, Lord, breakthroughs, uh, wisdom, Lord, just just amazing things. And Father, we give you all the glory for that. In Jesus' name. Father, is anybody online or here tonight that doesn't know you, that has never surrendered their their heart or their life to you, I I thank you. I thank you that today is the day of salvation. Today, Lord, Lord, while there's breath in our lungs, today is the day of salvation. And so I I I pray for uh, everyone listening, everyone in this room. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I I just want to encourage you to to just make a decision, make a confession of that. If you're in this room, just like well, everyone's eyes are closed, if you're if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe you you wandered in or someone brought you in, and just go, oh man, I don't I don't have a relationship with God like that, but I need to. Would you just raise your hand? And I'll just I'll see it, the team will see it and we can just speak to you afterwards, we want to help you. But I'd like to pray a prayer with those online in here tonight before we close. We don't want to ever, you know, close the service without an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Why don't we pray this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've you you've uh, you've given me a destiny. You've given me a purpose. I'm not an accident. <laughs> I receive your love, I receive your forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for paying the price for my sins. I thank you for rising again so I can rise in the power of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, do your work in me. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.